Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, so good. So, so good. So good that you're here today. Uh, we are so excited for this new series that we're going to be started. And I just want to stop once again. This is my extremely hot, gorgeous wife, Pastor there are Ashley. There children watching. Yes, you look phenomenal. And so, so happy that you're going to be uh, teaching with me today. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to mix it up here. If this is one of your first times watching uh, we, we like to mix it up. We like to obviously preach individually, but every once in a while, especially I like to do it when we start a new series to really teach together. So you get uh, kind of a male and a female perspective, if you will. And so just want you to uh, Blonde hear some of that. Blonde and brunette. Blonde and brunette. All the things. Uh, white shirt, kind of a gray shirt. Okay. Uh, but anyway. This uh, is going somewhere I don't weird. know where we're going with this, but uh, thanks for being a part of this today. You know, uh, this uh, season uh, has been like no other. And when we first started talking about what, we're, what 2020 would look like, specifically uh, content for sermons, uh, we had a totally different idea uh, what it would look like. Talk a little bit about like our process and how we've gotten here and, and kind of what we usually do and where we're at right now. Yeah, so we we kind of take, gosh, at the beginning, before even 2020 came about, we had months where we were seeking the Lord specifically on the series and content that we would be diving into. Not necessarily sermons, but entirety of series. Yeah, and themes. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And so we really felt like... <laughs> We had that locked and loaded, right? Um, not so much. We we thought, right? Maybe maybe you can sort of empathize. We thought 2020 would look a certain way, and then 2020 came, and it didn't. And it sure doesn't at all. And so we've really been in the last few months. We've obviously we were in this series. What does the Bible say about? And that was really amazing because that one was planned, and it allowed the Holy Spirit to really speak to us um, e- each week and exactly what was going on and how we felt that he wanted us to unpack scripture in that light. But in looking at the next series, so many of them felt um, tone deaf. I was going to say that. Just very right? tone deaf. Just tone deaf to where we all are. Um, it really is a globe, uh, but also as the church here in America. And so we were really seeking the Lord. Father, what would you have us unpack? And we kept coming back to this idea of Joshua as this amazing leader in Scripture and uh, really the strength and the courage that he exhibits and how the Lord utilizes him. And so I'm excited to start this series today. Yeah, and, and I think it's very, very timely and relevant to where we find ourselves as uh, the global humanity. You know what I mean? We're uh, in the middle of chaos. And as we unpack uh, this series, you're going you're gonna to see that even the children of Israel uh, were in chaos. And so you'll, you'll find yourself, I know I have, studying this material. I have found myself in this story, especially within the context of of this pandemic and racial issues and all of this sort of a thing. But I was, you know, I was thinking even this week, you know, with this pandemic, 
you know, we had promised our children. You know, my folks live in, in, in the state of Florida, in the state of Florida. And so we were planning on uh, every year we go to Florida just to visit them. And we were planning this year to take them to Disney World for the first time. And so I'm, I'm not even kidding. We've, like, we've been like putting money away for this for like all, all 10 years of our marriage, it seems like, right? And so yeah. we, we had it all put together and the money was there and everything was ready to go. And so, you know, we've got the Di- Disney Plus, Disney Channel. And, and so we, you know, you know, back in like, I don't know, October, November, when everything was fine, right? Uh, we were just, you know, you know, this summer's coming and Poppy and Gigi, we're going to go to, you know, and so that, that's been the conversation, you know, all fall and into Christmas time and everything. And in fact, they were, there's a, if you go on YouTube, there's these different channels where you can literally like take a tour of the parks, you know what I mean? And so, so they literally two hours where someone's got a camp, they're just walking through Disney world and they're going on rides, right? So my kids Already, in, they know all, the entire park, and they've never even been there. Where the bathrooms Where are. Where the bathrooms all are, it. all of it. They, yeah. They're just ready to go. And the one that they love the most is Space Mountain. And that's by far my favorite ride at Disney World and Disneyland, where you're on this roller coaster, and it's pitch black. And you're just, you're, you're whipping all around, and it's told, you can't see anything in front of you. And my kids have just been talking about space. Can't wait to do, I'm, I'm tough, Dad. I'm going to do Space Mountain. I'm a big kid, you know. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to be awesome, right? And so then the pandemic showed up. And as it started getting worse and worse, and we got into lockdown, the real issue in the house was, Dad, uh, are we still going to Disney World? That was the biggest deal, you know. And finally, as we all know, Disney World shut down. <laughs> they, they closed the doors. And when that happened, our, our house went into pandemonium. And uh, they were pretty upset about that. And so I was trying to say, how can I fix this? How can I fix this? So one day, I just got the, 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 the bright idea that maybe I could recreate our living room into a Space Mountain experience, right? So what did I do? I kind of set up this kind of chair thing. And and I got Fulton, and, you know, I turned on some music really loud, and I turned all the lights off, and, and he kind of got in my lap, and I said, ready, set, go! And so I just went into dad freak-out mode, and, and we were, you know, I was like, Here, you know, I, I was like, 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 you know, jockeying him around, and it was, it was dark, and I'm like, woo doing this whole thing. And we get about, I don't know, a minute into it, and finally he grabs my arm, and he says, dad, stop! He's got this accent, you know. He says, Dad, stop. He goes, he goes, this isn't it. This isn't what you said. I don't like this. It's not what you said. It's not what you said. It's not what you said. And, you know, maybe you can relate to that even today. Dad, uh, it's, it's not what you said. This is not what scripture, what I read, looks like in my own life. Maybe you look to the, the Bible, you look to the scriptures, and you, and you read the intentions of God. You, you read the words of Jesus and, 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 and how he wants your life, right, to play out. But then you look at yourself and you say, what I'm reading, uh, I don't see it in my own life. And Lord, it's not what you said. It doesn't seem like it makes sense in my own life. Yeah, and that, I think we hear a lot of that frustration, 
right? From from you at home, we get emails, we get phone calls, text messages about that type of frustration. You know, I was thinking this week about the fact that we as parents obviously love to bless our children, but those types of promises and blessings take on so many different forms, really based on the goals that we have. And so as much as we love to bless our children and give them things, um, for us as parents, it's more important that our children grow, right? We want them to be blessed, but it's more important that they grow more and more daily into the little man, the little woman of God that God's already calling them to be and that God's calling us to help them be, right? So we have these different tools, these different tools that are associated with promises that are associated with blessings that we use in our house. And I have a picture of one of them. It's, I I don't know if you guys have seen this before. This is a Melissa and Doug, you know, that name brand where everything's kind of made out of wood and we pay like way more for it. Yeah, that brand. Uh, This is the responsibility board. And this is a picture of the one that we have in our house. So all of these are magnets, right? And you actually can have specific, both of our children have one, and each child has specific chores that we, as their parents, have asked them to do. And every single day that they accomplish that chore or that ask, or that commitment that we've established, then they get some form of a smiley face or star, right? And so the more that they get on a weekly basis, the more they are working toward what we've promised. Now for Israel, it is a hoverboard. And I got to tell you, friends, I don't want her to have a hoverboard. No, I'm no. kidding. No, I want her to be blessed. I want her to have what she desires, right? right? But it's more important to me that she becomes more and more daily the woman that God desires for her to be. So what do I do? I combine the two, right? Okay, Israel, the more you're helping with all of these chores, the more and the, every day brushing and flossing your teeth, helping to take out the trash, cleaning the kitchen. That girl can do dishes. Glory to God. She is good. It's awesome. And l- let me tell you. And so she, she gets that magnet, right? That smiley face. Why am I telling you that? This board and these smiley faces have nothing to do with how much I love my daughter. Nothing at all. These smiley faces have nothing to do with whether or not she is my daughter. She's my daughter, right? She was born to me. She's my girl. Nothing she can do will change that. I love her more than she could ever imagine. Nothing she does changes that. But you know what this does change? The closer she is to getting what we, what I promised, right? I promised her, Israel, once you get 30 of these, right? Or once you get seven straight weeks of accomplishing all of the, then yes, dear, you will have the money to buy the hoverboard, right? Now, why am I telling you that story? Because some of you read scripture, exactly what Pastor J.F. was talking about. You read scripture and you see things that God has promised and you get frustrated because you're not immediately given those promises. And you have to understand, friends, that salvation, right? Salvation is contingent upon you receiving Jesus as your savior. And once you've done that, you're his kid. There's nothing that you can do that will make him love you more or love you less. 
you are his. But there are specific promises in scripture that do require our action. Why? To earn God's love? No. No, nothing like that. It's because God desires for you to look more like him. God desires to grow you into the person that he's calling you to be so that every single day you begin to look more and more like him. And we see this in scripture as well. You know, we, we have this phrase that we use in church, and if you've been in church in any time that you've probably heard it, we talk about Israel, God's people, and the promised land, right? This is actually a reference to all the way back in Genesis 15. There's land that God promised to his people, right? Initially to Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob, and then Moses, but none of those individuals ever got to step foot in that land that God had promised. And I think that that's so frustrating, right? But then we have to go back and remember that this phrase promised land is actually not even found in scripture, okay? You'll see it sometimes in the Message Bible or the New Living Translation because those are more paraphrases. But that's a phrase that we created, the promised land, because really this was a covenant. This was an agreement that God had with his people that said, look, I love you. I, I want great things for you. You are my kids. Nothing's going to change that. But for you to walk into the fullness of everything I have for you, there's some things that I desire for you to do. Why? To earn his love? No, no, no. It's just like the board. He wanted to grow them into the people that he was calling them to. And that's what I want to look at in this series. I know that's what we've talked about. We want to look at what God did in the life of Joshua to actually create in him the leader that God desired to walk his people into the fullness of what he had promised for decades and decades, generations and generations. A promise, a covenant, an agreement, meaning if you do this, I will do this. That so many amazing biblical leaders they weren't allowed to actually see the fullness of. But Joshua led God's people in this way. And so I'm excited to look at the life of Joshua, to learn more about his strength, his courage, and everything that God put inside of him. Because I believe that you, friend, and I, I believe we're strategically placed in this time in history to be strong and courageous and to leave the to lead the church of Jesus Christ in this moment. Yeah, and as we navigate through this series, there's so many different themes. You, you mentioned uh, courage and strength and trust, and um, you know, uh, navigating what it looks like to be unified. And, and so we're gonna we're gonna hopefully touch everything that we can, you know, the battle of Jericho and uh, just, you know, the crossing of the Jordan and, and the spies and all of this, all of these different phenomenal stories about Joshua. So we're going to be navigating through that, but uh, we're not going to actually today uh, go to the book of Joshua. No, we're not. We're actually going to go to the, uh, a book before that called the book of Exodus. And it's an Exodus where we first learn about Joshua. In fact, in the book of uh, Exodus, this is where we see God building up Joshua's character, and he is 
teaching him. And Joshua is receiving an education from Moses as well as God as to what it looks like to be a leader for the people and the children of Israel. In fact, there's four quick lessons that we can learn from his leadership that we can even apply to our own lives. And let me just, a quick reminder, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you're a disciple of Jesus, if you're a Christian, we are called to lead. You say, Pastor JF, I'm not a leader though. I don't have those type, I don't have that, those personality. I don't have those skill sets. I'm telling you at every level, there's an opportunity to lead. It's called influence. And so there's some principles that we're going to share with you for the next couple of minutes that can speak to that. And if there's ever a time that we need Christian leadership right now, it's right now. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about that. But let's, let, let's go to Exodus chapter 17, where we the, this is the first time Joshua is mentioned, uh, starting in verse 8. Exodus chapter 17, starting in verse 8. And don't you love our little screen here in this cool? We can like point to it now and look at this word, you know? So, so that's kind of a new little... I feel little, a little bit like Vanna White. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, right? All right, so let's go to the, uh, the text. It says this, verse 8. The Amalekites, you could put in parentheses, bad guys. The bad guys came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. By the way, we kind of argued back and forth how to pronounce that, but I'm going to go with Rephidim, okay? Verse 9, Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the bad guys. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Here's the first lesson on leadership that we can learn from Joshua, and that is learn to see opposition as opportunity. There it is. Learn to see opposition as opportunity. The first instruction that Joshua got was to choose his community wisely and get ready to fight. Come on. He says, Moses says, gather up some men. We're going to battle. Mm -hmm. And what if in that moment where Joshua finds out that he's got to fight, says to himself, this must be a sign that God's mad at me. What what if in that moment right there, he said to himself, it's probably because of the poor decisions that I made in my life. All the mistakes, all the sin, God is mad at me and he's punishing me right now. He's going to make me go to battle and it's going to be really hard and it's all because he's mad. Now, we kind of laugh at that, but friends, so many of us see the battles we have to walk into the exact same way. So often we see opposition. So often we discover ourselves to be in a valley or walking through a trial or a a difficult time. And I, I believe the enemy has a lot to do with it, by the way. We begin to say to ourselves, oh, this is, this is because I made a poor choice last week or, 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 or I was rude to my spouse or I did A, B, and C that, that hurt God's heart. So now he's mad at me and now he's making me, as punishment, I have to walk through this time. So Joshua, he's called into battle. And you can continue to read in Exodus chapter 17, but Moses goes up on the hillside. And the story goes that as the battle between the Amalekites, the bad guys, and the Israelites ensued, Scripture says that as long as Moses kept both of his hands in the air, 
the Israelites stayed on track to win the battle. But the second Moses' arms came down, the Amalekites began to win. Now, Moses was an old guy, right? And I don't know if you're like me, if you hold your hands up for quite a while, you start to, I mean, even in church, it's like the third, we have another song? Oh, ah, I'm just playing around. But, <laughs> but so Moses is old, he's got his hands up, right? And, and the Israelites are winning, but he starts to get tired. So he had a couple wingmen with him, Aaron and a guy by the name of Her. A hymn named her. A hymn named her, H-U-R, literally held Moses' arms up in a V-shape for the entire battle. It was, in essence, as Moses just praised God and worshiped God, arms stretched out wide, the Israelites took ground and they continued to win the battle. But really, the battle was the Lord's from, all, from, from the very beginning. Yeah. And what I find so fascinating, while Moses has got his hands raised up praising, he still wanted Joshua to have the lesson and the experience. And I love that the Lord even gives Joshua credit. It's the Lord's battle. And he's giving Joshua the credit as the old leader just praises God. Now, I can, we can just, we can hang it up right there. That, what, what a cool principle. What a, what an awesome, look at, look at chapter, uh, verse 13. It says, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. But wait, the Lord was doing the real fighting. But even then the Lord says, look what Joshua did. Look what Joshua did. The question is why? Why would he do this? Well, I was even thinking about this reality this week. And I have to believe it's, it's the same way when I'm teaching my son Fulton how to play basketball. Now he's five. And, uh, you know, I, I took my own money and I went to Walmart and I bought the basketball goal. I, it was mine. Uh, Meaning ours. Ours. We don't want to get an email right. about that. You, yeah. and I, you, and I, you and I purchased the driveway. We did. That it sits on, we right? Did. I own the ball. I own the, the Nikes that he plays in. Yes, you do. It's, it's all ours, right? Yeah. And in fact, um, I'm, I'm decent at basketball. I used to be much better. And, you know, I can, I can get the ball into the hoop on my own without anybody's help. But it's pretty cool when I hand the ball to Fulton and I, and I pick him up. Now watch this. I pick him up and I can get him all, I'm getting a little, but I can get him all the way up to the rim, okay? And all that Fulton does when he has the ball, he just kind of tips it over. Yeah. And it falls over the rim into the basketball goal. And what does our whole family do when that happens? Wow! Yeah! Fulton! You did it! Why, why, why is that? Why do we go nuts? Well, the reason why is because he's learning. Yeah. And that's the point. Yeah. And I believe that that's what we're seeing here in this beautiful picture where it was God's battle. Right. But he... He, he let Joshua into the learning process. The opposition became his opportunity. God is saying, and to us, when you're willing to see the opposition as an opportunity and not punishment, I will continue to fight your battle long after you walk off the battlefield. It's a beautiful thing. So that's the first thought. Learn to see opposition as an opportunity. If you can, if you can begin to change your mind with this, I'm telling you, 
it, it will totally change your perspective when opposition comes. In fact, we'll talk a little bit about it in the future, but Paul's very clear about the power of perseverance and how it builds character inside you. It grows you. It teaches you lessons. It's expi- you know, I was talking to my dad yesterday, and he said, that's why everyone says the greatest education is experience, right? Because we learn from that and we grow. That's the first thought. Learn to see opposition as an opportunity. The next lesson that we learn from Joshua, even before we open the pages of the book named after him. So the first one is learn to see opposition as opportunity. The second one is learn to treasure the training. Learn to treasure the training. Let's go to Exodus 24, verse 13. Scripture says, then, meaning after this battle that we've just talked about, after all the credit was given to Joshua, after the Lord has that message written on a scroll for Joshua, all those things, right? It says, then Moses set out with Joshua, his champion? No, no, no. His first in command? No. His aid. Well, wait. Then Moses set out with Joshua, his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. Why on planet Earth, right, would the Lord put Joshua in this amazing position, right, of of being this champion, winning this battle, having this great victory, and then still require him to have more training, You see, most of us, if we're really honest, if we had had an amazing victory like that, we would have demanded that Moses give us the lead position. We would have said, no, 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 no. I'm not even going with you, Moses, until you make me the man. And then what would have happened? Well, I believe then Joshua still wouldn't have been able to lead God's people into the promised land, right? Into the land that they had been promised. But instead, he understood that he needed to treasure the training. He understood that even though he's had this amazing battle, that he's still got a lot to learn from Moses. And he didn't resent it right? He respected it. And I believe that this is so important. And friends, we could go through pretty well every character in scripture. We see this over and over. We see it with Esther, right? She's given this incredible calling, but then has to go into an entire year of preparation, even after she says, okay, fine, I'll do it. We see it with Joseph, God gives him this powerful dream. He starts to un- unveil to him all the things that he's going to be doing through his life. And then, he, and then he gets sold by his brothers and enters into decades of training. We see it in King David's life. He's actually anointed king. And at that point, can you imagine what it would have been like if he demanded the throne? But instead, he knew to treasure the training. He understood how important it was and that he didn't know it all. And he was fine to go back to the field as a lowly shepherd and learn more and more about what God has to teach him. I wrote this down, and I want you to think about this. What if we learn to revere the seasons of training instead of resenting them? 
What if we begin to allow the Lord to see seasons of training as the actual honor that they are? I love how Hebrews phrases it. The Lord really spoke to me about this passage this week. Look with me. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to look at the last part of verse 5. Scripture says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline. And I want you to circle that word discipline. Because in our culture... We think discipline means punishment, but this means training, okay? So how many of you know that being disciplined at something doesn't mean that you're getting punished? Now, let's be honest. If you are a runner and you're getting up at 5 a.m., a little bit of it is punishment. Hello, I'm not that person. But being disciplined, right, it's not, not just punishment. It is the entirety of training. So my son, do not regard lightly the discipline or training, write that in your, in your Bibles, of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. Meaning, yeah, that is part of this training portion of saying, you know what, mm, don't do it that way. Let's do it this way. This way's better. Verse six, for the Lord disciplines or trains the one he loves. He chastises, meaning he corrects every son, circle the word son, whom he receives. Verse seven, it is for discipline that you have to endure because God is treating you as sons. It's an honor because you're his kid. Now, let me tell you, if you have been physically at Church for All Nations ever, I love children. You, you will begin to see that. If there is a baby, now I know this pandemic thing is going to wreck me when we, when we start gathering back together because I don't get to hold all the babies. So that's a thing you'll have to pray for me over. But when before the pandemic hit, man, like I'm holding every baby I possibly can. I've got my sweet little patients that would run down to me, little Ava, you know, and I get my hugs from them and I love them so much. And let me tell you, I want your children to like me. That's important to me. If you like me or not, eh, it's whatever. I want your children. To, I'm kidding, right? Man, it's so hard when no one's in when the no audience. When no one's in here, right? it's, it's like anyway, jokes laugh with me at well. home. Write in the comments. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Anyway, I want your children to like me. I want your children to like me. I want my children to be like me. Do you see the difference? So I'm not going to discipline your children. I'm not going to work diligently to train them the way I do my children because I want your children to like me. I want my children so to good. be like me. That is an honor, right? To, to be called sons of God. That he's not just interested in you enjoying every part of your life. No, no, no. He wants you to have pleasure, but he is more interested in making you more like him. You are to treasure the training, friends. Don't despise the discipline. It is favor over your life. So we're going to learn to see opposition as opportunity. We're going to learn to treasure the training. And as the band comes back, we have two more quick, yeah. two more quick points. I'm just kind of, I just want to stop and kind of meditate on what you just said. I mean, that's. He wrecked me that over picture. that this week. He wants, he wants me to look like him. Right. That's the ultimate yeah. process. Beautiful. 
And really, that kind of takes us directly to the next lesson uh, that we can learn from Joshua before he walks into leadership. And this is this is huge. And if we if we could get this, especially during this pandemic, oh my word, write this down. We got to learn the differences in denial and discernment. Come on. We say it one more time. We got to learn the differences in denial and discernment. That word denial means the action of declaring something to be untrue. <laughs> that's like seeing the truth and saying, that's not really true. That's, what, that's denial. I'm not going to accept that. Discernment is the ability to judge well. Now, it's just me. Maybe it's just me. This is my prayer for me right now during this very, very trying time in our world during this pandemic. God, expose the areas of denial in my own heart, right? where I'm just choosing not to believe something. And give me not just my own discernment, meaning the ability uh, to judge well. I want your discernment. Amen. Yeah. Like, I, like, give me your Holy Spirit discernment so that I'm, I may have the information that I have and make the right decisions when I have it. And when we go back to Exodus chapter 32, uh, Moses is up on the mountain with God. And, and Ash will talk for a minute just about that little conversation that they're having. And he's about to get the Ten Commandments, come down the mountain, right? It's a really big deal. And while he's up there, the people, the, the children of God, are down in the valley. They've been backbiting for years. They're disunified. Everybody's got their own opinion as to what we should do next. They're all in chaos. I don't know if it kind of sounds similar to what's going on right now. They're all in chaos. They're talking behind each other's back. Uh, They have their own biases. They have their their own own lenses of how they think that they should move forward. It gets so bad that the person who's in charge in the valley is Aaron. And he is hearing this. and, And they're coming to Aaron. And they're, and they're just, they're just in his ear about everything. And Aaron is just like way down. He's like, I can't really pull the trigger on stuff because Moses, our leader, is on the mountaintop, but I got to do something. And look what the passage of Scripture says, starting in verse 2. If you could go a little further, my friends, down to verse 2. Aaron, and all of that, this is, what, this is what Aaron says. Aaron answered them. Watch this. He says, take off the gold earrings. Now, let me stop right there. Part of the ask from the children of Israel was, we want, we want to make our own gods. Right. We want to worship our own gods. Not, not, not Jehovah. We, we want to worship our gods. And so finally, after all of that, Aaron says, take off all your gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. I can almost hear it in his voice. He's probably just upset. He says, so all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings 
and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and to drink and to get up to indulge in revelry. Now, before we get all hacked off at the people of God, we have to recognize that we do this all the time. Hello. <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't look like grabbing your wife's earrings. Yeah, I really like these. Please don't. <laughs> right. And, you know, melting it down and making a little golden calf to put in your man cave. But we sure complain about how long the Lord is taking. Yeah. And we don't just complain. We take it a step further. We start doing our own thing mm -hmm. so that we can feel better about the waiting and the training period. And let me tell you, I'm just confessing, I have done this in my own life. Yeah, me too. Where I'm supposed to be in a season of training and waiting and, and, and I get frustrated and I'm, and I'm looking around, I'm seeing what other people are doing and I just say, you know what? Uh, my discernment, my, my judgment call is I feel like I need to go do this. And what happens is it delays. It delay. It takes me on another path. It takes me off of the path that God had for me. That in the moment, maybe I didn't fully understand. But in that moment, I was, he was downloading all kinds of stuff. That when the opposition was to come, that stuff would rise to the occasion. Yeah. It, it would come to fruition. But my discernment was off. I allowed denial to creep in and, 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 and the truth that he was trying to portray to me. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's not really what he's saying. Right. Right. That's true. And so we're seeing this unfold in this portion of the story. When this happens to the very greatest of even leaders, right? Because we, you look, go home tonight and well, you're probably already home. Uh, go into a different room tonight and read the rest of this passage, right? Maybe go outside. No, but if you read this passage, it's so astounding because God himself is speaking to Moses and actually tells Moses what they're doing. He's like, look, uh, they got sick of waiting on me to unpack all of this to you. So this is what they've pressured Aaron to do. And, and the Lord unpacks all of that to Moses. And the Lord is so frustrated. He's like, you know what? Maybe these aren't the people that we want to move right. into this promise. He, he calls them hard-headed. Right. Like stubborn. Maybe, maybe, you know what? Maybe even this generation isn't ready. And so Moses begins to intercede and he's asking the Lord, he's reminding him, Lord, but you promised, but you promised. And so even in that moment that Moses is interceding, he still is in a bit of denial. And I want you to see this, friends. Look with me. Exodus 32, starting in verse 15. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant of law in his hands, right? This is the Ten Commandments. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. But look at this, verse 17, when Joshua, who was with Moses, when Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, Joshua hadn't even heard what the Lord had told Moses. And yet his ear was so tuned that he knew what he was hearing. He said to Moses, there is the sound of war in the camp, meaning there's the sound of disunity. 
There is the sound of people that, Lord, are moving away from you and into their own desires and into their own will and into what they want to worship and the way they want to do it and in their timing. Joshua is discerning the voice of God, and God hadn't even spoken it to him. So powerful. And yet Moses, who heard the actual voice of God, is in denial. He replies, oh, it's not the sound of victory. It's not the sound of defeat. It's the sound of singing that I hear. It's the sound of singing. I'm, I'm just going to, you know what? I, yeah, maybe it's just singing. But then Moses is shocked because he actually sees with his eyes what the Lord had already spoken to him. Verse 19 says, when Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them into pieces at the foot of the mountain. Friends, there's a warning here for us. Scripture makes it very clear that those tablets were the work of the Lord. If we are not keen in this season to hear his voice and not close our eyes, to the disunity that the enemy is causing in the body of Christ, the work of the Lord will be trashed at our feet. And you need to hear that because so many of us are turning our eyes because it's an uncomfortable conversation. Oh man, you know, oh man, maybe it's just singing. Maybe open your ears to the voice of the Lord. He is speaking part of the preparation for this next level. If we want to see the church of Jesus move into the promises that he has given us, to move into the fullness of everything that he has said is available to us, if we want as the church to do that, we as leaders, and I'm not talking about the ones holding mics, I'm not talking about the ones on the stage, I'm talking about every single person within the sound of my voice. It is time to put more energy, more focus on discerning what the words of the Lord are speaking to us over the denial of wanting to be comfortable. Learn to see opposition as opportunity. Learn to treasure the training. Learn the differences in denial and discernment. And lastly, as we close, learn to cultivate your craving. What do I mean by that? This passage that we read this week in Exodus about Joshua moved my heart in a way that I wasn't expecting. Scripture says in Exodus 33 verse 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. As one speaks to a friend. And I want to stop there because if you go and read the context of that, the actual presence of God would move in this tent, a tent meeting with Moses and Joshua. And the Lord would speak casually with Moses in that powerful way that a friend just speaks to a friend when it's comfortable and when it's not, right? You can just speak You have to be so cautious about just speaking. And the presence of God was so powerful in those moments that all the Israelites would stand at the doors of their tents and they'd just worship the fact that it was happening. So powerful. 
So incredible. But what I love is what Scripture says about Joshua and his response. Because Scripture says, then after this conversation, after being in the presence of the Lord, then Moses would return to the camp with the people. But his young aide Joshua, the son of Nun, did not leave the tent. What is he talking about? That even at a young age when Joshua didn't have that casual conversation, that face-to-face relationship with the Lord yet, he craved it so much that he didn't even want to leave the place. He didn't want to leave the place where he saw that happen. He said, God, I want you more than anything. I want you more than leadership in front of these people. I want you, God. I want your spirit. I want your presence, Lord. So much so that I don't even care if they're ready to vote me into some leadership. God, I just don't even want to leave the place where you're meeting. I don't want to leave your presence, God. And I desire that for you. I got to tell you, Pastor JF and I have been in that place recently. That man, as much as we love people, we just want to hide in the tent where the presence of the Lord is and just get more of Him, more of Him, that craving for more of Him, what He desires, His heart, His mind. And I'm going to close with this story. I was reading it again this week. History tells us about a professor, his name was Dr. Edwin Orr, and he was a lecturer back in the 1940s at Wheaton College. And history tells this story that he took a group of students to England on a tour in 1940, and they were touring a lot of the spaces that John Wesley had really set up his work there. And in a tiny little bedroom that was John Wesley's, there was actual indentations in the carpet beside his bed where this man of God would pray for hours a day, not out of penance, not out of penance. No, 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 no. He was praying in repentance and begging God, God, bring revival Bring revival, bring spiritual renewal, Lord. We need you. We need your presence. And as Dr. Ora was taking his students through that little tiny bedroom and explaining that this great man of God had spent hours a day seeking the Lord for just that, they exited and started getting back on the bus. And the professor noted that they were missing one student. And so he goes back into the house and he finds this one student with his knees in those exact same crevices, in those exact same indentations where John Wesley had prayed and he's at his bed and he heard that student saying, Lord, do it again. Do it again, God. You did it before. You can do it again. And that professor said, Billy, it's It's time to go. The bus is going to leave. And in that moment, the young Billy Graham stood to his feet and boarded that bus with tears in his eyes, believing that God would do it again. 
cultivating that craving for more of what God has for us. And friends, I know that he'll do it in you and in me in the exact same way. Powerful. We're going to take a moment. I want to pray for those of you who are watching right now. I mean, every one of us, there's components of this that we can just apply right now. And, you know, I keep, you know, we keep talking about when this all goes away, right? When we're finally back to normal and this pandemic is gone. When, Man, it's going to be awesome, man. We're going to see revival. and Man, what if in the middle of it all, <laughs> like, what if right now we pursued the spirit of Jesus in such an intentional way? The bo- I'm talking about the body of Christ. We pursued unity, preference for one another, serving, loving each other, pushing our biases away, right? Not trying to be right, having the best argument. It's exactly what I was praying about uh, earlier in the service. Paul's speaking to that. It's, it's not about any of that stuff right now. It's not about that, man. There, there might be another uh, platform somewhere down the road where, you know, there can be some kind of a, de- no, no, not right, right now. We got we to gotta come together, right? I know that's my prayer for me. I'm going to pray for you right now. Maybe you're watching and you, you say, Pastors Jay Evan Ash, I, I'm at a place where uh, I'm just tired of trying to make it all happen on my own. I'm tired of trying to be right, Mr. Know it all. Or every decision I've made has been through my own personal discernment. And I'm just, my life isn't, it isn't where I want it to be. And I know it has a whole lot to do with my peace with God. It has a whole lot to do with my resistance of the Holy Spirit, the things of God. And, and maybe today you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I, I want to I I make my peace with God. I want to I invite Jesus into my life. I want to receive the gospel. I want things to change in my life. I, I, that word humility, I haven't tasted that in 20 years. I'm so full of pride and opinion and arrogance and individualism. And, and I've, I've missed, I've missed a lot. You know what? If that's you right now, you're, look, you're looking right at him, man. I can relate to that. When I was able to lay my life down years ago, to say, Lord, I invite you into my life. Not, not, just, not, not just did things inside begin to heal and change. The way I saw the world the, the, the lenses I look out through are, are just different for the good. And so I want to pray for you today, especially that area of cultivating your craving. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for those of you who want to say yes to Jesus, but then I want to pray, pray, pray specifically for those of you who love the Lord, but the prayer, the desire of your heart right now is that the Holy Spirit would do a new thing in your heart to where you would, you, all you wanted to do was stay in that tent with Joshua and, and the Spirit of God. All you wanted to do was be in that little room in, in Westminster, England, with John Wesley and Billy Graham. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate, right? That's my prayer. hope that's your prayer, and I want to pray for you. So if you're here today and you want to say yes to Jesus, you can do that right now, wherever you're sitting in your lazy boy recliner, wherever you're at, you can do it right now. Lord, we come to you. I thank you. 
that where the word says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And Lord God, you know my friend who's watching right now, whose life is so in bondage, entangled. Lord God, I just pray right now as they begin to say yes to you. Just do that right now, friend. Just say, Lord, come into my life. Jesus, I lay my life down. I die to myself so that you may live. That picture of baptism, of going down under the water, an old dead man and coming up alive because of what Jesus did. Lord, I accept you into my life. Come into my life. Begin to heal all the broken areas of my life. Heal my heart. Heal the wounds from the past, those that betrayed me, the bitterness. Lord God, heal all of my addiction issues. Lord God, change my mind. May I see people. May I see the the world through the lenses of the Holy Spirit and not just my own flesh, not my own opinions, not my own desires, not my, my own political swing, none of that stuff, that I would see humanity the way you see humanity, God. That's our prayer. We are kingdom people. And so, Lord Jesus, I just pray right now that you would, that you would, do a, you would touch someone's heart right now. God, so many friends right now are watching that are, that, are, that are your followers, that love you, that love your church, that love your work, that love your gospel. They serve others. Lord God, I pray right now that you would just give them that much more desire, that much more desire to be more like you, to look more like you, to encounter you in new ways. Let it be so. That is my prayer for me. In Jesus' name, Lord, I repent of my humanity, my sin, my arrogance, my pride, my opinions, my own desires, my own flesh, God. May my heart be broken so that I may, my, I, I may accomplish what you put me here on this earth to do. I want more of you in my life. I want you, more of you in my marriage. I want more of you amongst my relationship with my children and my neighbors and my community. Lord, do it. Do a new thing. We were singing about that early, earlier. Do a new thing. Do it again. Do it again. And we know, we know it has to start with us. And so let it be so. Let it be the people of God. Let it be the people of God, the work of the Holy Spirit within the body of Christ where we see ultimate healing. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. amen. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we I have, don't want to quit. I know, right? <laughs> it's like, well, so we have good. some questions for you. Awesome. Thank you, Amber. We have questions for you to cover, whether it's in your small group, whether it's um, maybe just journaling, whatever it is, allowing the Holy Spirit to really speak to you about exactly what the Lord has. And the very first question, when you faced difficult seasons in the past, how did you tend to view them? What are practices that you can put into place to help you recognize opposition as the opportunity that it could be? This is going to be really important as the Lord is guiding you to really begin to acknowledge when the opportunities truly are in the, in the vein of opposition and making sure that you see that. Number two, has 
discipline, meaning the word discipline or that in your life, has it been a positive or negative word in your life and why? I think understanding that is going to be so important too. What do you understand the biblical definition to be? And is this something God wants you to dread or to be grateful for? Number three, do you feel like you hear God speaking to you? What are ways that you can practice discerning his voice in your life? And last, if you're honest about your time and your treasures, what do they say about the cravings that you're working to cultivate? Which of these areas are you desiring to change and how do you plan to do this? Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.com.